This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast with yours truly exclusively on Russo'sBrand.com with Channel Attitude. Today we have a really cool episode. I say that every week, but let's face it, again, every week I say that I mean it because it's the truth. Uh, when you love what you do and you fall in love with the, the difficult process of the discipline, you end up being rewarded because consistency will take you places that motivation alone cannot. Uh, we're starting with motivation a little early today. <laughs> um, today we have a brand new Q&A. We've got some Hollywood news, a brief world news update, um, a top 15 list for the highest grossing films of all time. Uh, we also got a new things to know before you're 30 and of course some motivation to carry you through the week. So without further ado, let's get right down into some brand new updates of everything that's going on in the world of all things Taylor. I am coming to you live from Salem this week, uh, one of my absolute favorite places to be. I have been slowly renovating my tiny house on wheels and I am loving it. It is legit like a gothic farmhouse because Let's face it, I am the gothic pioneer woman, so welcome to my mini frontier on wheels. <laughs> I, I love me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'm a hoot. Um, I laugh at my jokes all day long. So, you know, I guess, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so awkward and I love it. Um, so I've got that going on and I've got, you know, two books in the pipeline. I am wearing a Daphne shirt today because I was just, she was really just on my mind. I know I brought her up, I believe on last week's episode when someone asked me about the slap sport on the last week's Q and A and I don't know, I was just really missing her today. So I decided to wear one of her shirts. I highly suggest you guys um, go online and find some or, you know, donate uh, to different charities like uh, the scientific work going on with Chris Nowinski, uh, you know, doing work on concussions and the brain and just neuroscience. That would be absolutely amazing and do it in her honor. Uh, what else we got going on? We have got so much hype for Lucha Patron coming back live on October 14th in Petaluma. Super exciting, guys. This is a stacked card. Like, it is crazy. If I am... I Guys, I am so excited to be a part of this locker room and this card. It is my favorite promotion, and I don't know. I just love the fact that... I just love the whole mission of Lucha Patron. Like, every ticket purchased helps them donate at least 10 meals to various food banks for families in need. And to me, that just makes every bump, every match, and everything so worth so much more and means so much more than just yourself as a wrestler and your bump card. And to me, that's just so amazing. It's something that truly resonates with me because I know what it's like to, you know, not have a home. I know what it's like to be hungry. Um, and so many different, you know, things that really build some interesting character. Um, you know, it's really in the dark times that you find out how strong and resilient you are and what type of human being that you want to be in the world. Um, and so for me, that just makes it so worth it. So if you are interested in seeing Samurai Del Sol, formerly known as Kalisto, uh, AAA's Drago, who now has a brand new name, I cannot wait to find out what it is. You have got Super Max Hernandez on the card. You've got myself. You've got Adventures in Science. You've got Big Fawns. You've got the Metal Maniac Sledge. You've got the Anomaly Alex Ace. You have got Chemo. You have got, uh, Kakamang. You have got, uh, just uh, the American Degenerate. 
favorites. You've just got so many crazy cool, interesting, talented, different walks of life and types of performers, people all coming onto this Lucha Libre show. And with the fans, the atmosphere, there is just nothing like it. So if you want to get your own tickets for Petaluma, California, Lucha Patron live on October 14th, you're going to want to go to luchapatron.com slash tickets. Don't forget, every ticket helps feed families in need. I can't think of a better reason to go to a Lucha Libre show than that. Moving right along, for those of you who are not already, please go on over and subscribe to Russo'sBrand.com because you get like over 20 plus different podcasts, live streams, and more like reviews of Raw and SmackDown and Cash Strain in the Marks, talks with Taylor Hendricks, Goldilocks Closet, and so much more, all for less than a large cup of coffee at Starbucks with no long-term commitment. I don't know a better deal out there. I'll wait. Let me tell me one. I won't wait though because there is none. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are going to take our first break. When we come back, we are going to dive right on into the latest Q&A. And what you're going to want to do to get featured for that is you're going to want to head on over to my YouTube channel. It's on one of the links on the sides here, youtube.com slash at Taylor Hendricks. You're going to subscribe to my YouTube channel, scroll down on my latest videos until you hit the latest Q&A video. You're going to hit the thumbs up on that, help us out in the algorithm, and then comment your question in the uh, comment section below that video for your chance to be featured not just on my podcast, Talks with Taylor Hendricks on Bruce'sBrand.com, but also on my YouTube channel. You get a twofer, and of course, duh, you get your question answered by me. We're going to head into a brand new Q&A with me, Taylor Hendricks. So here's what you're going to want to do in case you missed the opener. You're going to want to head on over to my YouTube channel, subscribe, scroll down to the latest Q&A, hit the thumbs up, comment your question in the comments below that video for your chance to be featured on my YouTube channel and my podcast, Talks with Taylor Hendricks on Russo'sBrand.com. Let's dive right on in. <laughs> All right. Um, one person asked me, uh, what was my favorite concert that I have ever been to? Um, I would say it's probably a triple, um, because I can't pick one because I love them for many different things. I've been to so many different concerts, but I did get to see Theory of a Dead Man and it was the first concert I ever went to with my husband before he was my husband. So I would definitely have to say that concert and it was awesome. I had waited so many years to see Theory of a Dead Man. I was a huge fan of their music. Like I think, I, I think when, uh, Dylan Bostic and I were like a tag team at OVW, I think even for a little while we used one of their songs. Um, um, <laughs> music. Um, so that's like how long I've been a fan of Theory of a Dead Man. Um, my other favorite would probably be the Red Hot Chili Peppers because they were live in Boston. They put an extra date onto their tour because their, their first tour, um, their, their first selection of dates like sold out so fast and there was such a huge demand. Mars Volta got booed off stage. They opened for the Red Hot Chili Peppers and they, oh, it was brutal. It was Oh, I felt, I felt bad. I felt so bad. And they actually did leave the stage because it was that bad. I was like, Boston, shame on you. But at the same time, yes, I want to see the Red Chili Peppers. That was my first ever concert. I was like 16 or 17 years old. I can't remember. I was still in high school when I saw it. So that is definitely the top. And then my other favorite would have to be this concert that I went to where I got to see Skillet and Shinedown. Um, I actually got to meet them. I had VIP tickets and I got to hang out with Skillet and I got to hang out with Shinedown. Um, such cool people. Such cool people. Like great vibes. Such great vibes. As uh, 
uh, I had such a great time and then like Skillet saw me in like the fourth or fifth row and they were actually like pointing at me because I got to hang out with them earlier in the day as a VIP and it was so fun so cool um it, I think it was right after they switched one of their female drummers I think it was or singers I forgot um but yeah they were so cool I had such a great time so chill and just down to earth amazing um awesomeness nothing weird or sketchy they were just super super awesome so yeah Theory of a Dead Man, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Skillet Slash Shinedown Concert. Those are my three favorites. I've been to so many, but those really stand out to me for just such great memories um, that I can actually remember with all my concussions. Um, someone asked me if I agree with Bret Hart's comments about wrestling today. Um, yes and no, but for the most part, yes, but, um, I'm a person that wouldn't have worded it that way, but I'm also not Bret Hart, so I'm not going to word censor someone, you know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate everything that he's contributed and his thought process is not exactly wrong. You know, my favorite trainer that I have ever had is Rick Rogers and you cannot be someone who's easily offended if you were going to train with someone like Rip Rogers, okay? Like, I... <laughs> You just can't. You just can't. Like, there were so many times where I probably should have been offended, but I was just so desensitized to it. I just laughed. I laughed because I knew I was getting the best training possible. And listening to the verbiage of Rip Rogers, is, if that's the worst thing that ever happens to you in wrestling, then you are so gosh darn lucky. It's not even funny. So, um, I mean, so I, I'm not offended by the way that Bret Hart chose to word about wrestling today. And I don't think he's 100% wrong. A lot of this stuff does in a way look phony or whatever because let's face it if you were in a real fight right would you stand there and go and wait for someone no one of my favorite things that i still do today if you actually watch my tape you can actually slow it down and see this i was actually um mentoring someone recently um uh, because they're they're just kind of they they're starting out in wrestling and they don't have you know the best training i'm not going to go into it um and they actually came to me for some advice and i actually happened to see the message i don't always see these messages and so i was really honored and so i gave this person some tape to watch and broke it down and and explained to this person why i approach it that way and even if i'm not the best wrestler in your opinion at least i'm very methodical in what i do and how i do it um, to the best of my abilities as Taylor Hendricks. I'm not trying to be anyone else except Taylor Hendricks. So I'm going to wrestle as Taylor Hendricks. I'm not Awesome Kong. Um, I'm not China. Um, I'm not Kelly Kelly. You know, so I'm Taylor Hendricks. So one of the things, for example, that to me is very phony that I made sure to pick up from Rip Rogers on not to do is say, for example, when you get uh, whipped into the corner, right? As I'm like doing the motions. <laughs> Such a wrestler. Um... I will take my turnbuckle and I'll, ah, 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 and you will see me, if you slow down my tape, you'll see me slowly make like a 45 degree angle with my body so that I'm kind of selling the fact that I just got whipped into a buckle and I'm turning so that I'm not directly like doo, 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 waiting for someone to do something to me. And you'll notice if you slow down my tape at the very last second, within like two to three seconds of getting hit or so roughly. I will open myself back up, whether it's a girl doing a running cartwheel back handspring forearm or whether it's her doing a chop. If she's going to do a chop to me, I will make her lift my body back up to do it or, you know, whatever, whatever, she, whether it's that rolling cannonball kick that dislocated my knee. 
um, whatever the case may be, I will always do that 45 degree angle that Ruth Rogers taught me. And then I will open back up at the last second. And then it's like, ah, she got me. You know, if you're sitting there waiting for someone to do something to you, it's so phony. Another thing that I think is very phony is when people are just so worried about going through all of their pre-planned choreographed BS, and then they start doing things half-assed. Like somebody used to call it, I think it was Rip, I'm not sure. He used to call it the Vader whip. He'd be like, oh, oh, oh Vader in the house <laughs> or something, something like that. It's where you go to whip the person from corner to corner, but you don't even get to halfway to the ring. And then literally the person is just running to the other turnbuckle for no reason. They're not being held on to, they're not being pushed, they're not being propelled, nothing. That looks so phony. And you'll see people start to do that when they have like super runny, spotty spots. That is so phony. Make everything, like dispend belief for just a little while. Like so much of the business, to Bret Hart's point, has already been exposed. Don't keep exposing more and more and more. Accidents happen, timing can be off, all these things can happen. And sometimes it's out of your control, sometimes it's not. But, it, but do little things, like the devil is in the details. These little things like that 45 degree angle and then opening up, those little things matter. All right, take that split second to sell. I saw somebody uh, recently no sell a headbutt where that was one of the signature moves of the person that was more famous than the person taking the headbutt and they no sold it. And I went, well, I would have had my butt beat by a vet if I had done that as somebody who was barely a year of the business, you know? So just take, like, slow it down. Like Al Snow always says, if you think you're going, if you think you're going too slow, slow it down even more. Okay. Like fans are always several moves behind you. That's why if like some stuff gets messed up in the match, you can't go back and change it. So just make sure your finish is excellent because that's the thing that they're going to remember the most is the finish because they are several moves behind you. And also too, to Al Snow's point, which I think is very much indicative of Bret Hart is, you know, fans, you guys as fans can't relate to every single move, but there are at least seven things that in wrestling, as far as wrestling types of moves and strikes, that anybody who isn't even a wrestler can relate to. And so I think that's a lost art. And, and being able to tell a story, I think that's missing. Everybody's just worried about doing these crazy death-defying things, but they don't ask themselves why. What's the purpose of this? I'll get a cheap pop right now, but is anybody going to remember it six months to a year to two years and five years from now? So does it really matter? You have to learn how to tell a story because the characters are the ones that make the most money and draw the most attention to the business, not... Not the people that can do the crazy shizit. Like the crazy shizit's cool in the moment, but it's not going to be cool when you can't walk when you're 50 and 60 years old and you can't do that stuff anymore. Um, and also too, why wouldn't you want to have, if you really love this, why wouldn't you want to have longevity? Doing all that crazy death-defying stuff does not give you longevity. It actually creates an expectation of you doing that. So then you have to constantly up it and up it and up it and up it just to keep people interested. Um, so it, it's, it's a short-term game, not a long-term game. Um, and you really should be looking at this as the long-term if it's something that you love and want to make a career out of doing. Um, especially with taxes and pay rates and things like that. There's a lot. Um, so I do agree to a certain extent with Bret Hart on a lot of the stuff that he said, but I didn't get to see it all. So I can't say with complete clarity. Um, but yeah, there are some things that are very phony about today's wrestling. And you also have some people that are very sensitive, so it's really hard to cut good promos that actually mean something. Um, and there's also the lack of character work and character development today because everybody is so focused on being friends with the cool indie darlings instead of focusing on your own trajectory and your own path and not trying to use somebody else's coattails. And there's also people that are just focused on doing cool moves. 
Um, and like I said, the cool moves aren't what drawing the most money. If you look statistically, if you really take a look at the analytics, the people in wrestling that have drawn the most money in wrestling are characters. Um, and that's just something people don't really want to hear, but I think it's great to hear because if you can be an amazing character and a great wrestler, you are the best of both worlds and you have the best chance of surviving and always having a meaningful career with contributions to this business that you love. So why would you just want to focus on being a good wrestler? The good wrestlers don't always stick around. There's only, you only need a couple really good wrestlers that can, that can wrestle with anybody. Those are the good hands. You only need a couple of those, but you need a ton of characters. And I don't think that that's being focused on enough. People are trying either way too hard and it's inauthentic and cheesy, or they're not trying hard enough and they're just a carbon copy of everybody else. Um, another person asked me, who are some women I would sign if I had my own women's division? Um, right off the top of my head, I would really want to take a look at the Vanity Twins. I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff I could do with them and, and switch up for them and put them into such a great presentation for television. Um, I would, I would, I would choose Alex Gracia and would not think twice about it. I would choose Santana Garrett without thinking twice about it. I would probably snag Queen Aminata. I hope I'm saying her name right. I feel like I always say it wrong, but I really feel like, uh, that like people are sleeping on her big time. Um, I would possibly really want to take a look at Brittany Brooks because she is so young. I feel like as a woman who's been in wrestling since they were, you know, her age, um, and actually younger, I would be in a really good position to help her not make all the same mistakes that previous generations have with women like myself, where we've been brought in certain ways that weren't great. Um, and also I could protect her and build her up with all of the habits that I know that she would need. Um, you know, because there's a difference between the WWE style, the Impact style, the New Japan style, the AEW, they're all different with different target audiences. So I really feel like I could mold her perfectly into her becoming coming into her fullest potential as a star in this business, especially for her age, which I think would be great. I think we all need protectors in the business. Um, and there's so few and far between. It's really a shame. Um, yeah, I would start there because you don't want to start too big because then you're, you're bleeding money as a business and that's bad. You get to start small and then build up. And so I think that there would be great potential there. I would also want to take a look at several luchadoras as well, just to mix it up. And I think that would be such a great representation for a lucha um, product. What was the last song I heard be before this podcast? Uh, Pinch Me by the Bare Naked Ladies. That was legit the last song that I can remember hearing before I jumped onto this podcast. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love that song. So I don't even know why I said it like that. I love it. Um, have I seen the Barbie movie yet? No. Please pray for me. I do not know what to expect. I have seen such uh, contrasting reviews, I guess I would say. So I'm, I'm, I've always wanted to have this kind of movie uh, because I grew up loving Barbies. I was a tomboy that absolutely loved Barbies. Um, like I played with Barbies well after it was socially acceptable to play with Barbies. Um, and oh my gosh, I would cry. I really want my 1979 Barbie dream house back. I want that back so bad. Um, I found them on eBay and they are so expensive. Like even three years ago, way before the Barbie movie, that, that model was so expensive. And I had no idea that that was what I got at a thrift store with my mom when I was a kid. Uh, we had no idea that that was like the 1978, 1979 Barbie dream house I wanted. But yeah, the Barbie thing, listen, I've seen so much conflicting, um, stuff on social media and some of it was just so uh, like it, it driving me crazy ladies 
please do not use this as a dating measuring stick. Like who gives a flying hoot if your man doesn't want to wear pink, but is still willing to go, go with you? Who cares? And also like fellas, is it really that big of a deal to wear a light pink v-neck t-shirt or something? Like, is it really that big of a deal? I don't think so. But do I, you know, so both sides here, I'm just like, just grow up. If that is the worst problem that you have in your life or in your relationship, then you are probably doing so much better than you realize. So ladies, stop being toxic. Men, stop being toxic. Like all of you, just stop. Like, I think what matters more, okay, if, you're, if your man doesn't want to wear pink to the Barbie movie, like, does he treat you right? Does he respect your relationship? Have you guys set healthy boundaries with each other? Do you guys appreciate and value each other's time? Does he uh, protect you? Does he, you know, protect your reputation and your name? Does he treat your family with respect? Does he treat his own family with respect? Is he healthy? Is he working on himself as a man? Does he have healthy goals and aspirations that he is working towards as a, a healthy, well put together man? I think those are much better indicators of the measure of a man that he is as opposed to him not wanting to wear a pink shirt to Barbie. And fellas, like if that if that's like the weirdest thing your girl asks you to do, like you're probably lucky because I've seen uh, I don't want to be negative, but I've seen a lot of these crazy feminist requests on social media, I guess is how I would put that nicely. And if this is the worst thing that you ever get asked, then I think you're pretty great. Uh, you know, if your girl isn't going out on these girls trips where, where it's just absolutely trashy and scandalous and she's not, you know, running around behind your back and she's not making your, your apartment or the home that you guys share a battlefield instead of a love ground, you know, then, then, then you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Just wear the pink shirt. Ladies, if he doesn't want to wear the pink shirt, it's not a big deal. Like in, 50, in 30 years from now, do you really still think you're going to be like, oh, back in 2023, you didn't wear a pink shirt to Barbie? Like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, stop, stop, stop. And all these guys trying to be like Andrew Tate, like you're not Andrew Tate. Like, stop. You're like the bad version of Red Pill. Just stop. And ladies, relax relax fellas relax just in the words of selena gomez just calm down <laughs> oh god i i just needed to get that off my chest because i have seen that almost every single day on social media and it's like i feel bad for the guys and at the same time it's like ladies just relax you're amazing if your dude is everything that you've ever wanted and he just doesn't want to wear a pink shirt to barbie he's amazing too just be amazing together and build something special together. Like this Barbie movie is only going to be a thing for like another couple months. So is it really trashing somebody who could have potentially been the best partner of your life simply because you didn't want to wear a pink shirt? Honestly, I probably wouldn't wear a pink shirt to Barbie either. Like for real. <laughs> I'm a goth girl. So I, I probably would dress up as the gothic, gothic redheaded Barbie. Okay. So if I probably wouldn't even wear a pink shirt to Barbie, like why does your dude? I digress. Um, another person asked me, what's a secret skill? Well, if uh, it's a secret skill and I tell you, then is it really a secret skill anymore? <laughs> um, so I would not want to, I wouldn't mind playing Artemis in um, 
DC Comics because I actually was trained in archery and it's something that I really enjoy. I uh, grew up at, you know, Renaissance festivals every year as a kid and I also had to get certified for it to um, teach it with the kids at summer camps that I worked at. So yeah, I actually really super enjoy archery. So I would love to be in like a Robin Hood movie or like a post-apocalyptic movie or, you know, Artemis for DC Comics. Like That would just be so much fun to me because I just I love that stuff love it I get I get so much joy out of it I don't I don't know why um let me see another person asked me um do I think being a writer makes me more creative than just being a wrestler absolutely absolutely not to toot my own horn but toot toot I don't think there's another girl out there that cuts uh, promos like me I don't and I also have a skill at writing promos and character development stuff for other people. And it's not just for women either. I've done this for men as well. Um, and so I think that that is a very unique skill to have. Um, and I, I've done that for many, many years, many years. Some people that I've written stuff for, you, it would surprise you. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely think it makes you a lot more creative, um, than just being a wrestler. Because like I said, um, characters draw more money and stuff than, than just wrestling. It's because wrestling is such a niche market, but reality TV, drama, sports, entertainment, entertainment itself has such a bigger, 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 bigger audience than just wrestling. So that's why you need a little bit of everything. You got to get the spices in the dish. <laughs> um... Another person asked me, what are, what is another thing that they don't teach in school but should? You haven't done one of those in a while. Well, thank you for noticing. Um, I would have to say I did, I did write a list down because I knew I wouldn't remember this off the top of my head. Um, but taxes. I cannot tell you how many times um, I see people make these comments. And because it's such a popular thing to say, people think it's actually correct and it's not. And it really grinds my gears. Um... And so this should definitely be in a things they don't teach you in school, but should. Um, I don't know. You've probably seen this all over your social media feeds for so long now, ever since this recent administration, uh, about how the rich need to pay their fair share of taxes and, oh, you know, CEOs are out of touch and did it, did it, did it. Like anytime I hear someone say that, I automatically know not only what political party they are, but also what their education was like, because you could not be more wrong. And here, here's the thing. I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I have been registered independent since I was of legal age to vote because I was always taught to think for myself, do the research, look at the analytics. The analytics don't lie. Um, and analytics and facts don't care about your feelings. That's how I was raised. So I like to do my own research, my own thinking and, you know, come up with my own thought process. I reject any sort of ideology that tries to force my way of thinking because that's the opposite of critical thinking and that's the opposite of independent thought and that's more adjacent to George Orwell's 1984, which was, um, I think, in my own opinion, a dystopian allegorical novella of like pretty much the exact society that we're living in now. Um, so when I hear people say like the rich need to pay their fair share of taxes and CEOs are out of touch, like, listen, honeys, they pay more taxes than you probably will in your entire life, okay? And some of the same government people that are telling you this propaganda are also millionaires, even though their salary is capped um, and paid for by your taxes. 
So ask yourself how they're able to make so much more money than what they're actually capped at in public service and government, uh, with a government of the people, for the people, by the people, um, but yet they're still trying to raise your taxes. Ask yourself that question. So I think we should all be taught a lot more about the actual taxes in the U.S. system. Um, and this will give you a better understanding of where you're at in life. Because I think a lot of us, especially millennials, they're, they're, they're caught in between Gen X and Gen Z. And that's a real kind of crap place to be, in my opinion. Um, because you don't get some of the benefits of Gen X and you also don't get some of the benefits of Gen Z and you kind of get the shit from both or the crap from both. <laughs> I forgot myself there. Uh, do not cut this up for Twitter, Russo's brand. I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, and something that is, is very difficult about being a millennial is you're not going to get the same sort of paradigms of success that are markers and cornerstones of success like boomers and Gen X. And you also can't have the same pillars of success of Gen Z and the next generation after Gen Z. So millennials really do have it rough because say for example, <clears throat> You're 28 years old, you still get a bunch of college debt, and you finally just got a job that pays you $50,000 or more. Now, say you have a 4% increase every year on your salary, which you'd be lucky if you did. Um, then you start going up a couple thousand dollars a year. You're going to be in your 40s by the time you're making $100,000, okay? And if you're living in a state that is unlucky, which means they're charging you 50% or more of a tax on your income, you are literally going to be paying more in taxes than you actually end up with in your pocket um, in a year. And it's going to take you till your 40s to make $100,000 a year in salary before taxes. Um, and all those taxes that you spent are literally just draining you of life, basically. And the government is still trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. So then ask yourself, what are they really doing to improve the lives of Americans with all of your hard-earned tax dollars? Um, and if a $600,000 house has a 20% down payment, that's at least $120,000 down right off the bat. Now, what happens after you pay that? You've got mortgage, you've got property tax, you've got um, a capital gains tax, you've got just so much stuff and you're already getting a an income tax and sometimes there's an excise tax. Now, when you want to go shopping for stuff for that new home that you can't even afford because basically now after all of the taxes are taking out of your basic income, your what you're left with is barely $4,000 a month, but your mortgage is probably at least $3,000 a month. And the average uh, car payment per month is, you know, on the low end, you know, 289 and on the high end over $600 a month, you don't have enough for electric and basic necessities. All right. That is the waking nightmare of millennials these days. And that's not really a great, great outlook, is it? But it's truthful. And are they teaching all this stuff in school? No. So I wrote down some of the taxes that I think you should be aware of and why I think it's so stupid when people say with such confidence and with an air of authority that the rich should pay their fair share of taxes and that, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, and CEOs are out of touch. Yeah, maybe some might be. Um, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. There's a lot of CEOs out there, but the actual reality is corporations actually provide more jobs than the federal government. Um, and the federal government is demanding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's at least thirteen different taxes all by the government. How many taxes are actually the choice of a corporation? Now, um, <clears throat> 
You have an income tax, which is where the uh, government taxes your actual income. In some states, it's over 5.5%, which basically means almost 50% or more of your income. So say you make $100,000 and you think you're just, you've made it finally. You're finally living up to those pillars and cornerstones of success, right? But then after just the first tax, you're already at basically $55,000, $57,000 if you're lucky without any tax breaks. Now you don't really feel like you're sitting that pretty, do you? Right now of that income that was already taxed by your income tax. Now, anytime you want to buy something, there's a sales tax. So they're taxing taxed money. Um, there's something called a corporate income tax, which is basically um, corporations pay it. So then that technically gets put onto the consumer because the corporation can only pay so much taxes before they get taxed out. And this is not the only tax that's towards corporations and pl places that offer you employment. Um, you've got the payroll tax, which is used to collect, um, you know, funds for things like health and, uh, insurances and stuff for employees and all kinds of stuff. So that's also coming from your check and from the corporation that employs you. Then you have a capital gains tax, which is, um, you know, anytime there's a profit on anything, whether it's real property or, you know, like real estate or stocks, bonds, anything, that's called the capital gains tax. And then the government takes some of your profit. Um, and that also applies to businesses. Then you also have the gross receipts tax. Now this is regardless of pro uh, profitability of that company. So not only does a, co a, a company have a corporate income tax, a payroll tax, and a capital gains tax, which taxes them on their profits, they also have a gross receipts tax, um, which is uh, regardless of profitability. So say this company is just losing money and not actually making money. They still have to pay this tax regardless of if they're profitable. Um, then you have a value added tax and an excise tax. And these two together, along with the gross uh, receipts tax, are kind of like a tax pyramiding system because they basically tax each stage of the production process of goods and services. And the same thing with excise tax. Excise tax is used to be nicknamed the Sims tax. So that's basically like cigarettes, um, sports betting, alcohol, and, and other addictive things. Like sometimes even soda used to be considered an excise tax. I don't know if it still is. Um, and then you also have the tangible personal property tax, which could be applied to businesses or you. Um, this is basically property that can be touched or moved. So things like machinery, furniture, business inventory, all kinds of stuff like that. So then you've got the estate or inheritance tax. Now, the federal government um, does this tax, but also 12 states in the U.S. do this. So you could potentially pay this twice. Um, this is the value of a property at the time of someone's death. You Basically, if you inherit it, you have to pay a huge amount of taxes on it. Uh, basically, on the increased value of the property from when the person originally got it to when you inherited it. Um, this is sometimes also paired with what's called a gift tax. And this is the government's way of trying to make sure that you can't get out of the estate and inheritance tax because they really want your money. Um, and it, this is basically so that you can't, so that it cannot be avoided. So what that means is um, if someone tries to transfer this stuff to you before they die, instead of you inheriting it upon their death, they'll make it a gift tax instead of it an inheritance tax because the person hasn't died yet because they really want to tax you on it, even though they didn't do anything for it. Um, this is a really bad policy. A lot of people in, you know, taxing and accounting and all this other stuff really think this is a bad policy in America because it, it negatively affects a state's overall wealth. What this means is the more wealthy people that are garnering and gaining, um, 
assets that are adding in value, that makes the state as a whole more valuable because it also boosts the wealth of the state. And it also boosts investment in that state and other investment opportunities like employment and so forth. So the more bad policies that are implemented in the state, the worse it is for the people living in that state, regardless of whether or not they notice. Um, and there's also something called a wealth tax. So the next time someone says, oh, tax the rich and the rich need to pay their fair share of taxes. I want you to tell them about the wealth tax in the United States. Basically, this is an annual tax, not including the income tax, the sales tax, the property tax, the capital gains tax, um, the corporate tax, the, uh, the gross tax, the value added tax, the excise tax, the tangible personal property tax. That's not including any of those taxes. This is its own separate tax. Here we go. Annually, um, they will tax you on your wealth if you have a million dollars or more. And basically what this means is the wealth tax is, an, uh, is an annual tax on a person's net worth minus any debt. So basically, for example, I have a basic mathematical example that's super simple because I'm not great at math. Um, say you're a person that has $2.5 million in wealth and assets, right? So that's your net worth. But you have $500,000 of debt that means the federal government will analyze your, your, your net worth, then meaning $2 million. So they take the 2.5 and they minus your debt from it from a flat rate of $2 million. You see what they did there? Um, and say you're in a state where you're lucky and it's only a 5% tax instead of even more, which I mean, even at 5% is pretty big. That means um, anybody over a million dollars. So you're at $2 million, which means two. So they, you would pay just on this wealth tax alone, you would be paying a $50,000 wealth tax that year. That's not including your income tax. That's not including your sales tax. That's not including your property tax. If you're the business owner, that's not including your corporate tax, your payroll tax, your capital gains tax, your gross receipt taxes, your value added taxes, your excise taxes, your tangible personal property taxes, um, your gift tax if you end up with inheritance and so forth. They're, they could pay $50,000 just on a wealth tax. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of the propaganda that you hear just because people are saying it with confidence does not mean it is actually factual and accurate, okay? Um, did I grow up wealthy? No. I was probably lower middle class. Um, and then even before that, I was probably considered poor. Um, I was living in like a third or fourth floor walk up apartment, um, in the middle of the city. Uh, my mom and I didn't have a car. Uh, we walked everywhere and, you know, and we built our life up from there. That was when I was a really little girl, like three and four and barely five years old. Okay. Um, I, but what I'm trying to say is not everything is as it seems. And if you've ever taken and, and think about it like this. If rich people find loopholes in the system to pay less taxes, why are you hating on them for it? Because if they found it, then so can you. So instead of watching the latest season of, I don't know, whatever you watch, Stranger Things or the Kardashians, why don't you start looking up loopholes in the U.S. tax system so you can pay less taxes? If you've ever claimed your kids on your taxes, if you've ever claimed your, your miles for work on your taxes or supplies for work on your taxes or different things in your house like solar panels or wood pellet stoves or some states actually allow you to claim your rent if you rent like an apartment or a house, they allow you to pay, uh, claim that on your taxes. These are called tax breaks. So if you can claim tax breaks, why can't someone who's wealthier than you? The point is, 
just because you grew up poor does not mean you have to stay poor. It all depends on the habits and values you pick up when you're growing up poor and whether or not you keep those values in your adult life when you were able to make changes, okay? Um, that's why we talk about on motivational Mondays and stuff every week, we talk about, you know, uh, breaking generational trauma and generational curses so that we can pass on generational wealth, prosperity, happiness, success, health, and wellness. This is one of those things, pass on healthy habits and education and stuff so we can make smarter decisions. So I hope this was helpful in getting you to understand, you know, some basic tax information, you know, you make money, they tax it. You try to buy something with the money that's already taxed, they tax it again. Then when you buy a house and you own the house, then you have to pay for the land every single year. Um, and then it goes on and on and on. If you start a business, you have to you have to pay a tax on the profits that you made. If you're not making any profits, guess what? You have to pay a tax on the fact that you weren't making a profit. It's like you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. <laughs> now we're going to head into some brand new Hollywood news. Um, I'm sorry if the last part um, cut out a little weird. I ran out of time in the video and I had to like try to continue uh, with starting a new video. All right, so we are going to head into a brand new Hollywood news update. If you are looking for, you know, the latest information on what's going on in Hollywood, uh, latest comic books, movies, rumors, news, and more, then this Hollywood news update is for you. Here we go. Um, on the kind of negative side of news, we had two shocking deaths in Hollywood. 25-year-old um, Angus Cloud, who plays Fezco on Euphoria, has recently passed away. Um, he was, again, 25 years old, so that is quite a shock. Um, as more information comes out on the death of Angus Cloud, I will keep you guys updated. And then the next death in Hollywood uh, this week was Paul Peewee Herman Rubens. Um, he died at 70 after a long, quiet, private battle with cancer. I had no idea. Um, apparently, this is kind of sweet. One of my favorite refs on the independents right now is ref Mark Harris. He used to be a referee for WWE. Um, and he refs quite a lot at Lucha Patron. And he posted a story on Instagram talking about how he met um, Paul Rubens in at WWE during one of the many trips that uh, Paul took to WWE. And every year he would actually send Mark Harris a Christmas card. And I thought that was so sweet. So um, my thoughts and prayers go out to the families of both Paul Rubens and um, Angus Cloud. Next up on the docket is actually related to something that I actually just talked about for the latest Q&A that we just had. Um, and you'll see why in a second. Uh, the She-Hulk star Tatiana Maslany calls the Disney CEO Bob Iger out of touch. Um, and she said it's outrageous the amount of wealth um, that is not shared with people who actually make the show. In theory, yeah, perhaps, right? But in reality, are you paying for that production? Are you paying the payroll for all those people on the payroll? Are you paying for the venture capitalists and all these other funding avenues that come in to even fund this project as a whole? Um, are, you, are you coming up with the marketing capital? Are you coming up with the lawyers to you know, defend the product against people like you who are talking out about it? Or are you going to pay the dividends of the lack in revenue due to the, um, the woke writing of the show that caused a lot of backlash for the, the She-Hulk character and the show as a whole? You are not paying for any of that. So before you turn around and say somebody's out of touch and, and, and want uh, a fair distribution of wealth, ask yourself what you are prepared to do to compensate if that opportunity is completely gone because of your actions. 
um, you know, a lot of people want access to other people's money without actually working for it. Now, do I think there are people that are underpaid in Hollywood and that's one of the reasons why they're on strike? Absolutely. Absolutely. Far and away, 1000%. Um, but there's also other reasons why people probably want to be on strike as well. Using AI as an excuse for potentially a potential island that had a certain list. Um, so there's a lot going on here, and I think that this is a kind of weak take on the comments of Bob Iger calling the um, actors and writers strike very disturbing and unrealistic. Like, is it a little disturbing? Yeah, because Hollywood is at a little bit of a halt. Is some of it unrealistic? Possibly. I don't know all of the demands. Um, but if you are going to demand a pay raise, you also have to ask yourself where that extra is coming from. Because being a CEO is not as easy as you think, especially if it's a publicly traded company, which Disney is. I would know. Um, you know, so you are not just beholden to the subscribers and the actors and the writers and the production, the crews and all that. You are also beholden to the shareholders that pump millions of dollars into that company. And you're not just beholden to them once a year. There's quarterly earnings calls where you as the CEO have to go on those calls and explain to these very, very wealthy people why, why and how you're spending your money, how you lost more than 2 million plus subscribers, how your films in the studios have generated a massive loss of, you know, almost a billion dollars and so much more. Do you think that that's an easy job? Do you want that job, Tatiana? How would you go about this? You know, everybody likes to think that they would do better, but they, they, they haven't actually been in that situation. So how do you know that you would do better? All right. And I'm, again, I'm not saying he's out of touch because in the previous weeks we talked about how his, uh, his explanations in blaming Marvel and all these other stuff were in fact, you know, stepping in it big time. And those were my words. I said he stepped in it all the way through. Um, and I don't disagree with that. I stand by that statement. But I also stand by the fact that, you know, Bob Iger as a CEO isn't just responsible for She-Hulk. He's responsible to quarter, quarterly earnings calls. Shareholders, the owners of Disney, he's, he's responsible for everything that goes on on set, even if he's not a part of it. He's responsible for the PR, the marketing, the movies, the studio, the taxes, everything. And we just got done talking about all the taxes that a corporation actually goes through. So is Tatiana willing to pay the... Uh, let's see the <laughs> the wealth tax is she willing to pay the wealth tax is she willing to pay um, the property taxes is she willing to pay the corporate income tax is she willing to pay that payroll tax is she willing to pay the capital gains tax or the gross receipts tax or the value added tax or the excise tax or the tangible personal property tax that goes along with being a CEO of a major corporation that employs hundreds of thousands of people can you imagine the taxes can you imagine? So before we talk, we should possibly just think about the situation. I don't like this whole socialist distribution of wealth. I think that lifts people up that didn't work for it and drags people down that don't deserve to get dragged down. Work hard and find information that helps you. You know, not everybody that is rich today was born rich. They had to figure it out. We can also figure it out. We have the ability to figure it out. We all have the same 24 hours. We just choose different choices in our lives that lead to the lives that we're living today. So I think that 
while yes bob Iger is slightly out of touch absolutely and he's stepping in it almost every single week i also think her comments are also out of touch so i just want to clarify that move on <laughs> barbie and oppenheimer so the barbenheimer movies are holding steady in the domestic box office they are still number one and number two respectively um and they are at 93 million dollars again for barbie and 46.2 extra million dollars for Oppenheimer coming in at number three was the brand new debut of Haunted Mansion it failed to uh, dethrone the number one and number two but it is holding strong in the number third position in the top five at the domestic box office with so far 24.2 million dollars and growing um, now we are going to head into IGN had a really interesting list. Um, they did the highest grossing movies of all time. So I wanted to share this with you. I actually thought this was a good list. I was surprised by a couple of them. So I want to hear your thoughts. All right. Coming in at number 15 for IGN's highest grossing movies of all time is Black Panther in the number 15 position. They got $1.34 billion. Coming in at number 14 was Avengers Age of Ultron with $1.4 million. I do want to add that only um, a few million dollars separates most of these from a different slot, which is very interesting. Coming in at number uh, 13 was Frozen 2 with $1.45 billion. Coming in at number 12 was Top Gun Maverick, such a good movie, $1.49 billion. Coming in at number 11, I was super surprised is Furious 7 with $1.51 billion. I was surprised that that had more than Top Gun Maverick. I really was surprised. Coming in at number 10 in the top 15 highest grossing films of all time, according to IGN, is Avengers. They had $1.52 million. <clears throat> Coming in at number uh, 9 was 2019's The Lion King with $1.66 billion. That also surprised me. Coming in at number eight was Jurassic World. That came in at $1.67 billion. Coming in at number seven, this did not surprise me at all, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was also a really good movie. That came in at $1.92 billion. Now, I could have sworn that a Top Gun Maverick actually made more money in the box office than Spider-Man No Way Home. So that one was, even though I knew it was going to be on the list, I was a little surprised that it was ahead of Top Gun Maverick. Um, coming in at number six was Avengers Infinity War. They had $2.05 billion. Coming in at number five was Star Wars The Force Awakens. They had $2.07 billion. Coming in at number four was Titanic. Yeah, yeah. $2.26 billion. Coming in at number three in the top 15 highest grossing films of all time was Avatar The Way of Water. $2.31 billion. Coming in at number two, was Avengers Endgame with $2.79 billion. And coming in at number one, and I can definitely see why, especially with so many IMAX tickets being sold, the number one highest grossing film of all time in the top 15 of the highest grossing films of all time is none other than Avatar. Avatar earned a record of $2.92 billion. Uh, that is crazy. So crazy. What did you think of this list? Were you surprised at all? I want to hear from you. All right. That is going to be the latest Hollywood news update. And now we are going to head into a brief but cool and cringeworthy world news update. Here we go. Now, a couple of these, they might not seem like world news, but people all over the world, it kind of applies to them. So that's why I'm having it as world news this week. 
Apparently, a YouTuber named Chris Dacow, C-H-R-I-S-D-A-C-O-W, apparently um, joined forces with the Ape Initiative team to teach the Bonobo Kanzi how to play Minecraft, and they did this with using a specialized touchscreen. Now, this is really cool because I love animals, but have y'all not seen Planet of the Apes? Doesn't end well for us humans. We're already going to deal with Terminator. Why are you going to add Planet of the Apes on us? I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> That's my thoughts on that. Um, next up for world news is Nintendo. Nintendo apparently plans to release a next-gen console during the second half of 2024. Now, this hasn't officially been confirmed by Nintendo themselves, but apparently it's been confirmed by their partners who are going to help them build the next-gen console. So as more comes out about this before the second half of 2024, I will let you guys know because I know there's a lot of you out there that love Nintendo. And the last part of world news this week makes me cringe this makes me legitimately want to bite my nails, even though that's a bad habit, and just hide in my tiny house and prepare for the apocalypse. <laughs> that's le legit my feelings on this. So apparently, scientists revived an ancient bacteria that was frozen in the ice for millions of years. Um, they found it in the si Siberian permafrost, and they nicknamed it the zombie roundworm. So apparently after it defrosted in the lab, it started having babies immediately through asexual reproduction. Now, I had two thoughts. First, um, the song Reproduction from Grease 2 immediately started singing in my head, living rent-free. Um, and my second thought was, have you guys not seen the thing? Like, okay, we've got Terminator, we've got Planet of the Apes, we've got Aliens, and killer bees and now we're going to have zombie roundworms from the time of dinosaurs what the are you guys thinking like the thing did not end well for us neither did planet of the apes and barely terminator um i think we collectively as the human race as humankind have enough to deal with we do not need zombie roundworms put it away put it down <laughs> What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I'm dying to know. Penny for your thoughts on Toxic Taylor Oh man, guys. All right. We're going to head into the last part of this podcast. This happens to me every week. So we did analytics and we were like, okay, we need to keep our episodes to roughly 35 minutes. And every single week I am so over on time. Even if we don't do Q and A's, I still end up with too much information. Uh, for one episode. And when I'm going through these notes and writing them down with my, my good hand, like this is not even my good hand, but you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like my hand literally does this. Like I'm not making fun of people with disabilities. Like I literally, my hand, like you can see like it, it slowly is like curling because of the injury and stuff. Like my hand like literally wants to stay like this and I have to actively stretch it out. So like writing all these notes, I get, I, I'm like, oh man, I don't have enough. I don't have enough, but my hand hurts. My hand hurts. And then come to find out I always end up having too much. It's so annoying. So annoying. But I digress. At least you guys have a ton of interesting things to listen to here on Russo's Brand.com. All right. Things to know before you're 30. 
Now, this isn't to knock anybody who's just learning these after 30, because guess what? I'm learning them right along with you. And this isn't to say that some, you know, other ways of doing things aren't correct, but here's some things that you should know in theory by the time you're 30. Apparently, a lot of the bacteria in your mouth isn't even on your teeth. It's apparently on the roof of your mouth and your tongue. Um, so the next time you brush your teeth, make sure you get up on the roof of your mouth and then use a tongue scraper to scrape all the, the bacteria off of your tongue as much as possible because that actually contributes to a majority of the bacteria and smell in your mouth that gets on your teeth and causes bad breath and things like that. So take care of that tongue. <laughs> That sounded so weird, so weird. Like, oh, honey, like, don't do that again. Did you know that you can apparently use an actual lemon to get rid of highlighter marks in your books? So this is especially for college and high school students that are using books that you want to sell back. This is for you. Um, you it, apparently it works better with a, um, an actual lemon as opposed to processed lemon juice that comes in a bottle. Uh, cut a lemon in half and take a cotton swab and get some of the juice from that lemon and then use that to get the stain of highlighters out of your books. <clears throat> Did you know that you can save money over time? <coughs> Sorry. Um, by regrowing some of your food from stuff that you already bought at the grocery store. Did you know that you could do that? You can grow potatoes from other potatoes. You can grow blueberries, carrots, apples, lettuce, lemon, strawberry, celery, and more from scraps that you have left over from your, your produce and your vegetables and stuff that you already bought at the grocery store. I have actually tried this out and it works and you can do it right on your windowsill until you need to replant. Did you know that? You can save so much money over time. I started growing my own lemons from doing this, um, my own potatoes. I've tried it with lettuce, carrots, um, and celery. Um, I'm still trying the apple one. I have not had too much success with that one, but I am hoping, so give me time. Um, next thing to know before you're 30 is apparently you can use a new pool noodle that doesn't have any cracks or tears in it. Um, you attach it to put your put your, your kitchen faucet and then angle it down into the bucket that you need to fill that doesn't fit in your sink. And that is how you can get water from your faucet to the bucket. I thought that was super cool. That would have saved me so much time on the farm. So much time. <laughs> Did you know that you can clean your windows and kill some pesky critters with white vinegar, water, and Dawn dish soap mixed together in a spray bottle? I, did, I in fact do this for the windows and other things in my tiny house. Did you know that if you have wrinkly stuff in your dryer, all you need to do is throw in a couple ice cubes and restart the cycle in your dryer? And in a pinch, whether in an emergency or camping or whatever, did you know that in theory, you can actually use lint from your dryer um, as a fire starter? That is why they always want you to clear that out because it, from a spark, it can start a fire. And this does actually work. I have used this as a fire starter when camping. I bring a big bucket of it from my house. All right, those are some things that in theory, you should know by the time you're 30. Now we're going to head into the main part of this podcast, which is motivation. Um, one of my favorite parts, the bread and butter of the podcast, like I say every single week and every single week, I mean it because I, for a fact, know that motivation alone is not the key to success. Consistent motivation will take you places that motivation alone cannot. Consistency is the key, my friends, consistency. And today's lesson is super simple. Last week we talked about how, you know, you need to 
be private, silent, low-key, and loud because you have survived 100% of your worst days and nobody deserves a VIP all-access pass to your life without your consent, right? So we gotta, we gotta live our lives in private. We gotta make moves in silence, all right? We've gotta, we've gotta be low-key with our blessings and we've gotta, we gotta shout our prayers from the rooftops. That is amazing. That is amazing. So now this week, I have an even simpler thing. Now that we are going to be moving forward on this journey together, um, there's so many different things that happen when you're on this journey to being the best version of yourself that ever existed. Because don't forget, a lot of people don't want you to be at your best. A lot of people are very comfortable with where you're at. They don't want you to have boundaries. They don't want you to be healthy and happy and successful. And they don't want you to be doing better than them. They have a vested interest in your silence and all kinds of other things, okay? And if they can't see themselves doing it and they don't want to do it and put the energy and the time and the effort into doing it, then they certainly don't want you to do it or achieve it, right? That's why we can't do epic shizit with basic people. We've talked about this already. That's why we today are saying F the victim Olympics like we have previously, because we are working on becoming the adults we needed as children by breaking generational trauma and generational curses to be the adults we needed as children and pass down generational wealth, health, prosperity, success, and overall happiness with integrity. Um, <clears throat> my allergies are killing me. <laughs> this is bringing me to today's lesson. Super simple, but super powerful, just like last week. All right. There is going to be so many people that want to tear you down. They want to get a rise out of you. They want to get a reaction out of you because when they do, you reveal something indirectly that you might not want revealed. Okay. I see this happen so much in wrestling. For example, I see people spend so much time calling out trolls and almost zero time, you know, talking to their actual fans. So it's like, why bother being a fan if you can be a troll? Because the troll is the way you're going to get the attention. All right. What you pay attention to is what you're going to attract, okay? Uh, what you think is how things will be. So whether you think you can or you can't, either way you're right. And that is so true. If you think, oh, everything's bad, nothing's ever works out for me, everybody always leaves me, well, guess what? Everything's always going to be bad for you and everybody's always going to leave you. Because subconsciously, that's what you're creating. So be so careful with your environment. And how does that relate to trolls and all these other people in your life? It's very simple. Do not engage, do not respond, do not be provoked. That is what they want, okay? But here's what you can do. You know, we don't. I don't always like to focus on what not to do. I always try to focus on what to do. But sometimes it's good to have a brief little what not to do. So you know not to do it, right? But then we're going to flip the script and talk about what to do. So you're going to do it for you. You're going to do this journey for all the dark, long, lonely nights when you had no one but you. You're going to do it for you. You're going to do it for all the haters who doubted you and left you feeling alone in a dark place on those long nights. You're going to do it for you. Okay? You're going to do it for all the times that they counted you out and you were left alone on those dark, long, lonely nights. You're going to do it for you. All right? You're going to do it for all the people that believed in you. Even when you couldn't believe in yourself on those dark, long, and lonely nights, you're going to do it for you, okay? Do it for you. Do it for the little kid that you used to be who's watching you now because that is your biggest fan. That person is your biggest cheerleader, and they need you now more than ever. Do not continue to let you down. 
Do it for you. Do it for the little kid that you used to be to become the adult that you've always needed and needed to become. Be the adult you needed as a child. Do it for you. Do you understand the assignment? All right, everyone, this has been the latest episode of the Talks of Taylor Hendricks podcast coming to you live every single Tuesday as part of the brand family on rusosbrand.com. Until next week.